On today's episode, we have Jess of Backbone Business. She is a business coach who helps neurodivergent entrepreneurs create 50% more revenue in 12 months just by streamlining their client experiences, selling a high ticket offer, and hiring their first team member. This is a really cool episode because she gets honest and vulnerable about what it really looks like behind the scenes of building a business like this, especially for neurodivergence, what normally comes up during launches, like shame spirals, doubting, and how to really help to get some reframes to pull yourself out of it. So if all of that sounds good, I highly recommend you continue listening and talk to you in a bit. Hey, Jess, thank you so much for coming on the podcast. I'm so excited for people to hear what I know is going to be just a gold nugget haven of an episode for them. (laughs) Well, thank you so much, Danielle. I'm really excited for this too. And uh, every time we talk, there's something, something great happens, you know, we get somewhere really good. So uh, looking forward to this one. I agree. And I'm so excited too, because I really want to talk about not just, I mean, you have this beautiful ecosystem of offers from the High Ticket Hero Founder Circle. And I think there's a couple more that even I don't have at the top <laughs> of mind that you really dial in on beautiful offers that help to solve a very particular need. And I know that comes from just both being like the entrepreneur, but also experiencing things with clients that made you help to fill that need. And I'm curious, especially with the High Ticket Hero, and I love that you really make a lot of your offers specifically around neurodivergent entrepreneurs. And we'll talk about this too, obviously, as we dive into this of just what was the neurodivergent something that came from after you did the High Ticket Hero? Was it part of the reason why you created it? Kind of how does that blend together? Since I think it's something that thankfully is becoming more and more talked about on creating offers that have that front of mind for people since we do operate in a different way? Or was Mm -hmm. it more of you started the high ticket hero first and then kind of realized what type of people are coming to you afterwards? I'm curious the evolution of the creation and the pieces of high ticket hero. Yeah, well, thank you for those kind words. Um, And, you know, I was trying to remember which which one came first. And um, I believe it was actually High Ticket Hero. And, you know, so like, you know, like a lot of other entrepreneurs, I I do make things basically with myself in mind. Either it's me right now or like me as a, you know, my past self. What what did I need when I, you know, was at this point in my life or five years ago, um, whatever the case may be. And so the integration of focusing on neurodivergence and tools to support neurodivergence came uh, kind of in tandem with me realizing the extent or the depth and breadth of my own neurodivergence. Um, I've always known that I and have been diagnosed with depression and anxiety, although really more, more on the depressive side of things. Um, and I, uh, you know, like the, like a lot of other people during the pandemic, I uh, really like all of the habits that were serving me and were not serving me became really clear. Yeah. <laughs> Just, you know, it really uh, drove home um, where I was not serving myself and what I, you know, not that everything is, is has to do, not that everything that we can do, uh, you know, it is solvable by us, or I guess that's not a, the way I want to say it. Um, not that, um, you know, the only symptoms of depression or the only reasons for depression and for neurodivergence are, are rested on us or that we are responsible for everything. You know, the water that we're swimming in is definitely a part of it, right? Mm. Um, capitalism, our society, the yes. pillars that built, that hold them up. Um, and, um, I recognized that there were things that I was that I was capable of doing that I had fallen out of a habit doing, you know. So because of that, and because of you know really recognizing that I also have ADHD, it uh, it that that just naturally found its way into the curriculum, um, and then I honestly gained I, I really had to gain some confidence to talk about it. Um, because yeah. even though it's a, you know, a growing conversation, thankfully, uh, I, I definitely felt some kind of emotion of like, well, I'm not neurodivergent enough mm. to talk about this responsibly, or I don't know enough to talk about it 
in a compelling way or um, I'm not informed enough to be doing this. You know, I was lacking some qualification. Uh, but I, I, you know, after kind of working through that and we can talk about that too, I, I just realized I, I do have enough tools um, and the people who are joining High Ticket Hero, are joining my other programs like Founder Circle, uh, are also waking up to their own neurodivergence or already new and they're benefiting from some of the tools that I'm introducing to them and the conversations that we're having. So it, it really all started to come together and that gave me the confidence to say, okay, I'm just going to claim this now because I do see the benefit of, of what I do for neurodivergent people specifically. This is so important to talk about too. And I think it actually is a through line that it comes up in all parts of entrepreneurship, especially things like, I love the word that you just said around claiming it, because it is true that there's no one going to be there to really give you that permission slip. Like, Hey, you're good enough to do this. Like you can start talking about it now. It's something that we have to give ourselves, but it's so difficult when, especially with the neurodivergent side, I do agree that this is becoming more of a mainstream thing. And even now where I'm at, where I think I learned about my own neurodivergence probably less than two years ago. So that happened actually about six months before even all of my chronic health stuff started. And I noticed now it has become one of even my own filters for joining any program or taking on any type of mentorship going forward, because I know how much it really changes how we work in every facet of the word of business, entrepreneurship, like how we approach tasks, how we show up. It really is something that we have to look at, but also it is something that's always growing. And I've had the same exact feelings of you where I was, I remember talking about my own experience of, you know, for me, especially things like task initiation or executive dysfunction, or even rejection dysphoria, those like big ones come up a lot for me. And I remember kind of getting in my own head being like, who am I to talk about this? Even though I've experienced it, I didn't feel like I know how to present myself because I'm so good at masking. I'm so good at knowing from the last like, you know, 30 years of being someone who people needed me to be the people pleasing of it all. I mm. think that really showed up a lot in business. And I think that part around the neurodivergence, and I'm curious to hear your experience with that the piece of what you talked about of, you know, feeling like you need to have more qualifications. And I agree that there is, there are times where that is needed, but a lot of it is kind of having to work through that deeper part, which is the feeling like I'm not enough right now or worthy enough or have the things that I, the toolkit or whatever it is to claim that for myself at the moment. So yes. I would love to hear for you, especially like, what was the process for you on, on really not just claiming that part of yourself for your business, but also claiming it in other areas too, especially with like a program like High Ticket Hero or your other ones, which are kind of catered to be more of this like high ticket long-term container, which naturally I feel like you have to really be able to hold yourself well enough to know that you can hold other people. So I'm curious how you've really been able to build that part of the worth piece, a part of the, um, you know, even just confidence that I feel like a lot of times we are having to give ourselves or get there on our own through entrepreneurship and different offers we create. Yes, uh, so important. And uh, I just want to acknowledge what you said uh, that, you know, it's the lens that you look at everything now, mm. you know, every program, every, every thing that you want to opt into. And I, that is really important because business development has to look different when you have a chronic illness or you are neurodivergent or both, mm -hmm. um, or even just when you, you know, you, you're a caretaker. That's why I think there's so many groups for mostly for mothers, you know, people who identify mm -hmm. as mothers. Yeah. Um, but just, it, you know, if, if whenever you have some kind of limitation on one of your three resources, which is time, money, and energy, uh, yeah. that changes it. You know, you can't use someone else's playbook or if that person is, is has an abundance of all three of those resources or like doesn't or has an abundance of the resource that you do not have. So yes. it's really, it's really critical. Um, but to your question, what was my process? You know, I started with what I knew, um, what everyone struggles with, whether they're neurodivergent or not, 
And, and that's time management, really. Um, and that's, it's literally just planning out your day. Um, and I think that was the first place where I realized, oh, there's, I can do a lot more here if I start talking about, um, I start talking about, you know, how different brains work differently and process this information differently. And if I, it's almost like releasing your grip on your clients and trusting them to choose what's best for them. That's and, really impactful. And I want to pause there for a moment and come back to this because this is something that I notice because you talk about this specifically around the caretaker part and you you speak so specifically around like the the when you don't have a lack of time and energy, which you're so good about. You're so good about helping people to find their how that works in tandem with their business. But I really mm. wanted to take a moment for a second before diving into the finishing process around this part that you just mentioned, which was really knowing that a lot of this comes down to, you know, having to advocate for yourself, but also a lot of this comes down to past childhood stuff too. That part you just mentioned around, I noticed for myself wanting to make sure my offers like guarantee I never guarantee things but like my brain's like I have to guarantee results for them I have to like hold them I have to make sure they're good at all times over delivered to the x amount and it took me having to realize where all of that came from it's why I, I love this podcast format because a lot of these pieces that kind of hold our business back and hold ourselves back outside of the things like neurodivergence is also the pieces of for me I realized when I was younger I was my mom's caretaker at 17 when she had cancer like those pieces informed how I relate in relationships now where even though I don't realize it or didn't realize it until recently that a lot of that was me projecting are you still there I can't hear you anymore oh you can't hear me can you hear me now can you hear me now is it are I fully off hmm okay hold on so yeah, for me, I noticed it specifically when I was a caretaker with my mom and realizing that that started to play into relationships and especially client stuff too. Even though I wasn't outwardly saying, you know, I want to save you because I couldn't save my mom or I'm trying to hold you so that I can, I couldn't have like helped them. It's still underlying in everything, you know, from yes. the way that I would over deliver 10 times more because I'm like I need to help them get results or else I'm failing them like those things that we don't really realize are driving a lot of us and also draining a lot of our time and energy because we're not really being authentic to ourselves too so I I'd love to help speak on that for you especially too in that process of mm -hmm. do you have any times like that with clients as you were building high ticket hero or even what made you want to create it that did you have any experience like that as well that really laid into your process of having to heal parts of that so you could hold space down the road oh my god <laughs> yes you know we're we're doomed to repeat past mistakes or just you know keep opening the wounds yeah. if we don't if we pretend like they're not there or that they're not running the show because they always are and like that's the thing you know I've been in therapy for a long time long ass time and you know, I'm still uncovering stuff. Um, but it's normal and uh, it's, you know, but it, but no amount of healing or therapy or, you know, whatever modality you choose. Uh, I do think you need to choose something, mm -hmm. um, but whatever it is, um, it's never going to make it go away. Mm -hmm. uh, it's just going to help you recognize when that thing is happening, it is running the show again. You know, when that whatever, whatever trauma that was, or just could be, you know, very annoying thing um, is, is coming back. And it's just your brain saying like, whoa, we've been here before. It wasn't good. Let's get out of here, even though it's not necessarily the same thing. And so how I see that in, in terms of my building my relationships with my clients and how I support them is, is being the person who's brave enough to point that out because mm. sometimes the, the wounds, the, the, whatever it is, the stories are so deeply ingrained that we think that they're truth. You know, we, we, and, and it's very hard to extricate and pull apart, like what's a story and what's reality. Uh, so I, 
you know, it, it takes a lot of patience to do that. And it doesn't necessarily happen in one coaching session or like whatever, <laughs> one conversation, you know, suddenly I see it and I am always that way forever. So, um, you know, in terms of the concept of releasing, it's, it's just trusting that people are naturally creative and resourceful, um, that they're not broken and uh, that it's okay to pull back. Uh, it's okay to not know, <laughs> to not be the expert all the time, but also that they can and will um, find the answer on their own or be able to support themselves. You know, that they have that capability. I think that's really important for any type of coach to understand that like, let's get really real about what our role is. My, I see my role as helping my clients with, you know, build a skill set that includes how to think about problems, but I don't want them to need me forever. You know, I, I want them to be able to, if you're going to teach somebody something, the idea is that they build a skill set so that you're, you're not there forever for them. And I, I don't want to ever lose sight of that. So, you know, whether it's high, a program like High Ticket Hero, which is, you know, very strategic, it's very based on, you know, there's a lot of tools, there's a lot of how-to, um, but there's also a little bit of, here's how to think like an entrepreneur. And we hit that really hard in Founder Circle. Like, here's how to behave like an entrepreneur, you know? The things that we learn to prioritize and learn to uh, pay attention to and value aren't necessarily in our nine to five, I should say, or in, you know, whenever we're working for someone else, whatever that looks like, aren't necessarily the same as when we are, when we become entrepreneurs. And that also doesn't mean that we can run from exploitation. You know, a lot of people are like, oh, well, you know, my day job sucks. Um, if I run my own business, then I won't have a boss anymore who sucks. It's like, well, no, you become the boss that sucks unless mm -hmm. you understand, <laughs> unless you understand that, you know, you there are patterns and ways that you operate and things that you believe um, that you will impose on yourself now. You know, um, it just, it's it's not like, it, like everything just collapses into you. And I think that that's the big problem. One of the big problems that people run into when they're, you know, in their first few years, I would say, of entrepreneurship. I think that's a really important fact too, to come back to is I agree that even though you become your own boss, you're also usually not taught how you need to, I don't like the word boss yourself, but like how to <laughs> really build things that work for you. It's a lot of trial and error especially if you don't have someone who's helping to to kind of make it a little bit easier for you and that's why I actually really love going back to the point you mentioned around you know the deeper parts around the trauma or even like limiting belief that I'm not enough stuff like those things can't really be solved in a session and the same thing is true I think with business and it's why I really love that you have containers that are are long term versus I find that even myself I kind of tend to shy away from shorter term offers especially after like six years in business because I know that for lack of a better word shit takes time <laughs> especially yeah. stuff that is gonna be things that you're gonna keep around for you know hopefully months and years like the foundations you're creating you want to have for a while means that you need to give enough time to not just have time to test but also have time for when you're like having bad brain days when you're taking time off when you're doing these things having a chronic health flare-up like I think we forget especially as someone who is a recovering overachiever of you know trying to get things to happen as quickly as possible but also I have time blindness <laughs> where what yeah, I think right it's gonna yeah. take x amount of time really takes like two or three times longer so I mm -hmm. love that you kind of bake that already into your offers to help out because I think that's something that we don't really realize is gonna happen until we're in it Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is going to take longer than we think, like most of the time, except for that one task that's been on your to-do list for <laughs> like two months and 
actually take 15 minutes. I'm not talking about that thing, but everything else is going to take longer. It just, it just is like, because I, I think that there's this expectation that in the online business space, which is just a weird, it's a weird industry, right? Like it is. It's, it's just weird. Um, there's an expectation that, okay, you'll do this, you know, 60 day, 90 day, whatever, four month program. And then you'll know everything that, you know, you need to know about this one topic, and then you'll be able to do it right away. And it's like, sometimes that happens, but mostly not like mostly. Mm -hmm. So like, I just wish that we could get rid of that once and for all, because you, you need to go through a cycle of learning it and then a cycle of trying it and then you get to mastering it yes. you don't get right to oh I'm I'm the best at this like it's really working like it's always going to be a little wonky <laughs> you know whether you're launching an offer or it's like the offer itself so yeah I think that there's that and I, I think uh, you know you were talking about longer containers, I, which I love too. And I think people are scared of mm -hmm. because I think one of the reasons anyway, is that they feel like they're going to, they're wasting money if they don't use every single inch of the program mm. instead of looking at all of the other things that can happen that don't have anything to do with how, like, did you, did you use every resource in the program? Um, yeah. Yeah. And I, I agree. and that's a money, that's a money uh, fear, right? Like maybe you've made, you know, if this is coming from a past, uh, a, a past investment that you didn't feel like paid off, or even, you know, before you started your business, like way back in the day, this, this is your money story. You know, this is when you grew up, money was a problem and, you know, a parent was always doing something, you know, something a little bit wild with money. Like, so it's just recognizing, like you can't rush through realizing, like having these realizations, you know, you they're, really they're going to come up at weird times. Yeah. They come out the worst, not even weird times, the worst times, like always when you're launching, <laughs> all your stuff comes up and like, no matter what, or when you're trying out a new offer, whenever you're pitching something new, like that's always when the stuff comes up. But I think yes. it comes back to that. I forget, you know, what quote it was, but it's something to the degree of, you know, the way that you know that you'll master something is when you can teach it to others. And to get to that point, you really have to go through all of those cycles and then probably like another cycle of integration again <laughs> before you can. Yes. So I think that's why I know at this point, even now, especially if it's your first, I think what happens too is if it's your first investment with that certain person too, it then you really have to, as a consumer, remind yourself the trust that you are having to put in yourself, but also the other person, the person who's going to be holding you in that. Because mm -hmm. I agree that the money thing is there, but also I think that money part around the like not using every inch, it's probably coming from a scarcity thing of, am I missing something? Am I missing the thing that is going to make me the money? Am I like, by not doing all of the right. things? Yes. And that inherently is like also not a great way of thinking <laughs> or operating. So these are things that you really have to look at. And also if you're hopefully have someone in your, your container or space that can help you as a coach or a guide also be able to see those things so you can shift through them quicker rather than have them delay, you know, investments or purchases that also could actually be supportive for you. But you're letting those, you know, those past beliefs, those past traumas lead all of your decisions and all of your, your investments going forward. Yes, absolutely. And I see this a lot with, especially in High Ticket Hero, because, uh, you know, every, almost everyone I worked with has worked with a coach already, mm -hmm. some type of coach. And so whatever happened there, you know, they have questions about what it looks like for, um, you know, for me or working with me. Yeah. And, and also they, uh, I find that um, a lot of this, like in terms of money, money especially is just the thing, you know, that we have so many hangups about money. We have so many messages, a lot of us that, you know, that we're not good with money for this reason mm. and that reason. And then we start looking for reasons or things that confirm that belief. And you're right. Like 
anything that we're we're buying, you know, even if it's something simple as like, oh, I'm buying a magazine at you know the the at an airport, but the last time I bought this one, it it wasn't super interesting. It mm-hmm. it's which is not fair necessarily because yeah. it's it's a different it's it's got different content. You know, it looks the same on the outside, but it's got different content on the inside. And it's the same with whatever support you're looking for. And that's how I got to uh, really focusing in on high ticket because uh, I just noticed that people were trying to make a go of it uh, with a lot of either, and it's not even about the length of the container or anything. It, It was really just, they were trying to, you know, really make things happen with, you know, $50 $50 templates mm-hmm. and, and, you know, only one-on-one coaching with no contract and no specific promise and um, all of these things that are perfectly fine, but aren't going to help you if your goal is to expand and work on your business less at the same time. And, you know, high ticket, the math has got a math and high ticket is the way that the math can math. It just can, and it can give you more time uh, to relax, rest, you know, refuel your tank, do something fun. Um, You don't, it doesn't, you know, it it really breaks that correlation between working hours worked and, uh, you know, how much impact that you can make. It's really true. And I find that with high ticket, especially, and this is why I love having us loop back into back of the the first part of this around the process because I think with high ticket both when you are opting in to be like be a part of a high ticket program versus also selling it like that triggers also a lot of that feeling of like doubting yourself and if I'm enough to even one charge those prices or also if I'm like doubting myself if I can get that promise that I am wanting that's like the program like if they were to join high ticket here like there's that I think it's really funny how money really does, you know, bring up everything, whether you're yeah. selling it or whether you're trying <laughs> to purchase it. So I'd love to go back to that process that you're talking about on really helping to take yourself or even helping take out clients when they are doubting themselves or feeling not good enough, both from a place of like, can I even make this a possibility for myself of having high ticket stuff, but also of being able to be held to like, what is kind of the process that you took yourself through or your clients around? helping them to, even if it's like 1% believing themselves a little bit more or 1% see themselves a little bit more good enough that day. Yeah, it's a big, it's a big issue. And you don't, you don't have to be selling a high ticket offer to feel that, of course. Um, And all of those questions, like if you just notice them, well, if I wonder if I'm good enough, I wonder if I can do this. I wonder if I should you know, be doing this, if I'm allowed to do this, I wonder if my work is up to par. They're all about you. Mm. They're all about, so when we're asking these questions, we're focusing on ourselves when we should be focusing on our clients. Like if we look at any, any business, large or small, um, I don't think the CEO is sitting around all day, like, look, thinking about, oh, well, what, am I good enough to do this job today? I mean, I'm sure that they have, you know, those moments of doubt, self-doubt, like every human does. Um, But they're not like thinking about, well, what, you know, what would be really inspiring to launch next quarter? (laughs) (laughs) Or like, what what would I want to do? They're they're asking their customers. They're asking their clients. They're responding to what is, is going on for them. So my... I think the best tactic, the first thing to do is rather than try to, you know, help someone up and say that they're amazing, they're not going to be receptive to that if they're committed to that belief. But when we start to look at, okay, well, what is, what is your client need? You know, what does the market, what is the market asking for? Basically, what are they requesting that you can do? What is the intersection of what you're really great at and what they need? Like now we're focusing on them. Now we're focusing on the, their wants and needs and likes and dislikes and all of that. We're getting into their brain. 
And then we're talking about what's stopping them from purchasing, what's stopping them from taking action. Um, what do they need to be educated about before they buy from you? So that for some, some reason, that simple shift really has a big impact. Uh, and, you know, even if it's just 10 seconds of thinking about someone else and not yourself <laughs> in this scenario, uh, it's very, very helpful. And it helps you, it actually helps you put a strategy in place. Like, so even starting with just hypothetical can be really helpful. Like, well, hypothetically, if I were going to create something new, you know, who, who's a perfect, who's my dream client? Who do I know I can help? So, you know, going from that to, uh, you when you start there rather, it's, it's a lot easier to just make it real. Like, oh, well, actually that person does exist. You know, um, I just need to find them. And again, that's the next strategic step, not the step based on a question about you and your skills and whatever. Because that's not, I don't find that that's helpful. Um, and it's, it's not, it's not actually the problem. The problem is that you just, you don't see where the customers are, where the client, where you can go and find clients. And that's just a strategy question. Of course, there'll be some more mindset shit that comes up, but um, it really is a strategy question, not a, you know, mindset problem. I love that reframe because it's actually as, you know, the times where I think about in business, when those doubts or those voices were the loudest is because I was spending the most time in my own silo. Like yeah. I was spending my most, my most of my time, like, you know, whether I was doing client work or whatnot, I was still just not talking to or interacting with a lot of my ideal clients consistently. And I think mm -hmm. that's where I remember that's where we get stuck in our own head because we're just talking to ourselves, which is like in reality <laughs> in business, we are talking to ourselves a lot. Most of the time we're <laughs> online entrepreneurs at home. But when you don't have those like things to bounce back off, I mean, I think about, especially as in human design, I'm a generator and I have like, I think my first three centers are all open, which is basically I'm open for anything, but I have to be, I have to be around things to like bounce off of. Mm -hmm. Like for me, I, my, my most popular offers, the ones I've always done the best either came from something that a client just told me they needed. And I was like, okay, let me give me a day, let me whip something up. And it became something that, you know, multiple clients needed, or it was something that I knew that I had done already for a client. How could I chunk it down to something that I knew would help them? So a lot of the times it's, it is more strategy. And of course, a lot of it is mindset too, but I think it's also easy for us to try and mindset like out of it, like try and only yes. stick in that like thought reframes. Cause Yes, a perspective is you can have a thought to shift stuff, but in reality, a lot of this comes from the action and momentum that helps to shift it for you because then you have things to respond to rather than just keep trying to talk to a cyclical thought that's coming up. Yeah, yeah. Action is always going to be in action in these cases when you are, because you know, it, again, our, our brain is not wired to try new things naturally. Mm -hmm. it, it's, it's just like, it goes by past information. It goes by what has already occurred. And so if, if you're, when you're trying something new, that's not helpful. So yeah, you don't need to fix yourself. I think that there's a, I don't know. I don't, I want to say tendency I think that there's there's this this belief or something that we need to get ready to do a new thing, mm. <laughs> or we need to like prepare somehow. When really it's just taking taking a lot of action that's like halfway decent, you know. So I say I I call that C plus work mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. with my clients. Like, give yourself a C plus. What can you do right now that would give you know that would be a C plus. Let's just, let's just do that because yeah. we can talk, we can, you know, like we can sit here and go back and forth and wonder about whether it's going to work and wonder about whether or not you can find people who will buy it, or we could just put it out there and like, like do something. <laughs> and I, I'd rather do that. I, I'd always rather do that. 
I agree. And and those times, like when you're trying to take action, of course, you might need to like hold yourself a little bit more during that time as you're getting acclimated to maybe taking change to basically inciting change in action for the first time in a while, especially if you've been kind of like in a rut for a moment. Um, but that's where it's important to have people or tools that you can use to hold you while you're taking that like C plus. I call it B work because growing up, I was like B was the like that was a limit for us. B minus or lower. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so I was like B's works fine. Uh, but I find that it is true, and I actually think it's a really great parallel to when you're taking that action, when you're talking to people, when you're finding out things about your your idle clients. It also gives you information of how do you want to also conduct business from hearing from them. And I think this is a great kind of like way to shift into also the evolution of High Ticket Hero, because I know it's had a lot of different iterations of the the container type or the way that you deliver it over the time, which I assume came from talking to and launching and taking that like, hopefully not always see action, like you have other <laughs> reforms. Yeah, that. right. You launched this multiple times. You've had the feedback. So I'm curious how you even use that in your business to evolve High Ticket Hero to what it is now. Yes. Uh, so yeah, not everything is C plus, but there were some C plus elements when I first launched it. So uh, I've had it since the beginning of 2022. That was the first cohort. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, at that point, it was a pretty standard, you know, they're standard in the space anyway, 12 week live course. And I knew that I wanted to run it live at least a few times in terms of the content. Mm -hmm. So I already kind of had that, you know, going in, like this isn't going to be a, a permanent structure. Uh, but I've learned, I've learned so much from just that program because it is so heavily instructional. Mm -hmm. uh, and, you know, so I've noticed a few trends since the beginning of 2022. Um, First, I mean, it, there's, it's just true, you know, it's not a trend, it's just true. Like people need more time to learn than mm -hmm. you need time to teach. Yeah. So right, like right away, we had integration weeks with the content. Um, so that's what it looked like. Basically, there was no new content for two weeks. Um, and what it looks like now is it's three months of content, but you get six months of, it's a program that's six months long. Mm. So it's like, yeah, you can do it in 12 weeks if you want, uh, but, you know, you have access to it for longer because it's probably going to take you longer to do. Uh, I also right away um, included, or maybe this was the second cohort, actually. Yeah, it was. Um, I included some time. Um, I realized that as I was talking about neurodivergence more, I needed to address that in the, in, in the structure and in the content. So, there's more about entrepreneurial mindset now and like what exactly that is my definition of it. And there's a lot more about habit building and there's more, um, we have weekly Pomodoro sessions because mm. everyone, and, and that's just something from my other programs, like my folks really like accountability. They mm. like body doubling. Uh, and so, you know, at the top of the month, we check in on goals and then, you know, every week we have, we have body doubling opportunities, you know, with Pomodoro work, deep work sessions. So that's amazing. Uh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. And so again, and that was focused on like, we would have our call earlier in the week and then later we would have the Pomodoro. So you could do the work from, mm. uh, of that week. And then you were done with the program, you know, for that week, ostensibly yeah. there probably, there was more to do, but you know, <laughs> um the homework um, so it was just like fine-tuning things along the way for sure um and I always always ask for feedback for that reason too that really informed I mean that's how I got to the Pomodoros mm -hmm. and also I realized uh, I just noticed like oh people aren't super clear on their ideal client and what's actually in their offer and the price of their offer and they weren't, because they weren't solid on that after week three, they, everything, it just affected everything else. So I, that's how I got to installing, you know, requiring a, um, a checkpoint, a live checkpoint where I go through everybody's offer and ideal client pricing and just sign off on it. So mm. it's just, 
stuff like that, that I would not have learned if I hadn't done it, you know, definitely once, but more like twice. Yeah. And, um, you know, I, all the thinking in the world wouldn't have gotten me to the offer checkpoint. Um, and, you know, similarly, if I hadn't asked for feedback, I wouldn't have gotten the idea to have Pomodoro calls. Uh, yeah. So those are kind of the two things that really come to mind. Um, and then just more of a focus. Um, I, I definitely added to the content um, and uh, added some more specifics about marketing. Uh, mm -hmm. specific. So now there's like just breaking down a little bit more, like here's some more about how to write really good marketing copy. Here's how to put a sales page together. Um, I, because we, yeah, we all have those points where it's like, oh, this is, you know, what I'm thinking is, is obvious, like isn't at all. Mm -hmm. I'm like, oh, right. I didn't like talk about that at all. And you totally need to know about that. <laughs> so that's so true. I think especially with like, as being teachers or people who are in teaching them who have, you know, X amount of years in business. There's so many skills that come to be a business owner, but also we haven't really been a beginner business owner in a minute. So we kind of forget sometimes when we're in those first few years of, all right, you also knew all of this. Let me try and illuminate that. But I love that you, you, you made the changes because of the feedback you were given or like the way that you saw it needed change and you actually created it it shows that you really do care about also the experience for your people beyond mm. just obviously the transaction of it and I actually this was a perfect segue into that part on the marketing so there's something that you I remember seeing in one of your recent launches which I really loved one of the angles for was around the part around proposals and how like mm. I forget the exact words you use so feel free to like clarify but it was something towards the degree of like you like don't need to do proposals they, they like it you shouldn't be customizing proposals like it was something like that where I was like wow that hits me especially as like a neurodivergent person we're like that's just doing so much work <laughs> so I think yeah. I'd actually love to hear that and see how you integrated that both for like how you're promoting it but also how you're helping people to find what works for them when it comes to you know high ticket stuff you don't always have to have proposals for sometimes like you need something like some material but I'm curious your perspective on how you teach it or what your kind of like take is on it yeah so proposals are usually the alternative to having an offer mm -hmm. and that's usually it's often where people start you know when when you're freelancing um you know at clients ask for proposals you send it and because of that it's, it's almost always customized mm -hmm. and that's that's never going to help you scale right yeah. um but what happens when we're when you send proposals is you, you you really get in this cycle of like not knowing how to close clients at the rate that you really want to close them at so you keep taking either lower lower projects or you keep accepting you know lower amounts of money for the same work or you keep taking corporate clients you know, who basically treat you like an employee, but you're a contractor, mm -hmm. um, which, which makes you, you know, really feel overwhelmed, but then also have no time to work on your business. Mm -hmm. And so the, the power of having an offer is that it's zero or, or light customization. It helps you really dig into what you're really good at. And, um, like very specifically, not just like graphic design, you know, come on down, anybody, anything, mm -hmm. but graphic design for this particular type of client, you know, doing this particular type of thing. Um, and it's priced profitably. Uh, and it has what I call the four cornerstones. Um, and the four cornerstones are the things that help you scale. So that's um, the right blend of product, services, community, and the ripple effect. What is the effect of this work outside of our relationship? Whether that's, you know, donating to a, a, a cause or an organization or a scholarship spot, um, a lot of different ways to do it, a lot of different ways. So once you have those four cornerstones, um, a lot changes for you. Uh, and ultimately it, it helps you it, it takes the pressure off of you as the business owner, as the entrepreneur, 
um, even if you are a done for you service provider, because the offers it, it, it's offering your clients more value than just you get this work done. Yes. And I think you actually, I don't know if you're doing this for every launch, but I know that you did a workshop uh, around your last one. I think that had that like marketed some of these pieces that you were helping to teach on so people can kind of understand this more. And it's why I kind of love this podcast because it allows people to, to see like how amazing you are and then learn more about the actual stuff in your uh, social media content and your email list and the website and stuff. Because I think what <laughs> I'm hearing from you especially is that which is true. I think a lot of times with offers, it, it can be something that we either phone in or we just don't create kind of like these layers that build in more of the value and also more of the like irresistible pieces that, you know, in the customer's mind helps to justify it, but also in your heart is like, this is a, a no brainer offer, like at this price point too. Cause I agree that proposals, mm -hmm. they really do. They, they make you into place where you're always customizing because you don't feel strong enough in what you've created that your people can need. Again, you mm -hmm. might customize some stuff in it, but I think there is a point to where you have to use that offer to be kind of like your own way to claim and to declare, this is what I know I want to do. This is what the price is worth. And I'm going to stand in it and, you know, make this work period instead of letting yourself kind of go up and down with other proposals where you're really just kind of like at the mercy of others. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And that's the, that's the other problem with proposals is, you know, we start to Frankenstein them uh, and we start to, you know, the client asks, can we pull this out? Would it be, you know, trying to make it cheaper or trying to add mm -hmm. things that it's just, it just opens the door for a lot of negotiation that you don't need to have. You really don't. Um, and it's scary um, because it forces you to decide. And yeah. especially when you're making, you're not making the revenue you really want to make and know you can make, that's really scary. Uh, it's, it's, it's terrifying because you might be saying no to money, right? Yeah. But you're already saying no to money by not deciding. So we, we have to just, you know, get your get just keep breathing and get used to the idea that it's not going to feel good right away uh not every decision is going to be so freeing and wonderful and awesome mm -hmm. uh but it's going to give you a lot more freedom um by choosing the hard thing right now yes so i love this part too and you know as we uh come into the end of this episode too i think it's important to to hear what the big points of this are, especially if you're wanting to build a business that has more high ticket pieces, because let's be honest, especially in, like you said, this weird online industry, <laughs> this online <laughs> business space, um, things come and go so quickly, like offer trends, marketing trends. So to have an offer that can really stand the test of time, like for the next, you know, however long you want to be in business, maybe for the next year or at least next round or two that you plan to sell whatever offer it is to have someone who can help teach the strategy and also the mindset is important and also be able to help the blind spots that when you do declare it and you feel that shakiness and you feel that kind of wavering that elicits, you know, elicits you kind of like taking things off or trying to discount it, having something there to really be the rock for you until you can be the rock for yourself can be mm. really really supportive during that time and also in a time where you know there is a big shakeup happening I mean in the world but also in in the business space too to have something that you can feel and ground yourself into and ground yourself into selling can be really really supportive for your nervous system for for like also your time back as a neurodivergent person too so it's not always just having to use more time customizing and selling versus actually delivering or taking time off too. Mm, yes, totally agree with all of that. I love it. Okay, so I know we talked a lot around the lessons and obviously the parts around really helping to try and get yourself back into a place that you can declare for yourself, like this is what I'm willing to try out for myself and to try for business. And I'd love to have people who are curious more about High Ticket Hero and also the Founder Circle and everything else you have coming up. I have everything down below for them. So the 
the websites, the social. She is great at social, by the way, everyone. Oh. This. I think you're so you like you're so consistent in your brandings. I love your branding so much. So thank please you. Go check her out. She has such good stuff happening. But if there's any final notes that you have for the listeners or anything else you want them to kind of take away from this, is there anything that comes up for you that you would love for them to kind of walk away or to begin asking themselves about as they begin this business path? You know, there's a lot of reasons to not do business. Um, and there's a lot of reasons that people go into it and have, I wouldn't say a wrong understanding. Um, they just realize that, um, you know, it's not quite what they were expecting, mm -hmm. you know, for, for a lot of different reasons. And, you know, one thing, first of all, if, if you're starting your own business or you're thinking about it, um, you need a reason to do it beyond just, I don't want to work for someone else or I don't like my job. Yeah. It, it can't be just a negation. You need to have a reason. Like, I don't like this, but what is the reason for, like, what are you going to bring to the world? Because let's be honest, like, there are so many of everyone right now. <laughs> yes. there's, there's like, there's so many business coaches, like, there's, so many, like whatever you want to do, there's probably a lot of you already. And I say that to just not to scare you, but, you know, to, to, to understand, like, this is why it's so important for you to understand what are you, what are you bringing to the table? Mm. Like, you don't need to know a wonderful, it, it doesn't need to be a beautiful, beautifully worded, you know, manifesto. Mm -hmm. um, you just need a reason beyond, I don't want to have a boss anymore because you will have a boss. Yeah, you will have a boss. And I would say if you if you have your own business and you know you're 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 plugging along, you've been doing it for a while. Um, your however your body is is it's not a problem. Mm. Uh, it's very again very easy to to think that it is. Like if I I could just wish away you know my illness or I could just wish I, I would do that in a heartbeat and. Um, you know, how we got here is, it's not your fault. Like how we got here um, is that we're using, we're under capitalism. <laughs> like we're yes. in late stage <laughs> capitalism. Like yes. it, it's never going to accommodate us. So like, don't look for um, signs from capitalistic powers that it's okay because mm -hmm. it's it's not going to happen it, it's yeah. never you know the permission isn't there um it'll never be there it will never be there so it, it's a it's a little bit like just do it but also you know know that it's always going to be this way you know um because capitalism is the water we're swimming in so, and it's why you have yeah. to give it to yourself first too. like make the permission to bake it into your business or else uh, for anyone who doesn't know my backstory, even though you are my listeners, I talk about it every once in a while of how I built my own six figure agency and burned it to the ground because I built it based off of what I thought I would want, like had the office space rented, had like the team of five, all the kind of stuff. And it was because I built it without thinking about oh, I'm just going to skip working out. I'm going to skip taking care of myself and just work more. And yeah. that's because I didn't actually give myself the permission to, like you said, see the things that I need to take care of myself and that I want as a first priority instead of a like final thought. Mm, yep, totally. So thank you so much, Jess. I mean, obviously we could talk forever. Yeah. <laughs> for those who are curious, again, go down in the links below. You can find all of her stuff to begin. I highly recommend it and looking into High Ticket Hero. And if you have any questions for either of us, feel free to DM us on Instagram or email us. Outside of that, thank you again for coming on. And I look forward to hearing from everyone about how amazing this was and the DMs once it comes out. So thank you again, Jess, for being on the show. Thank you, Danielle. Thank you. And I'll talk to you guys in the next episode. Bye guys.